long. It is late on a Wednesday night as Joel Embiid sends the Sixers with a 3-0 lead going into game four. Uh, live, kind of like a live reaction here because it just happened, but Sixers absolutely stole that game. Uh, they had no real business winning that game. Um, obviously, late down the stretch, you get the presses, Achua free throws, both missed. Um, you know, I said on the IG, ain't no man named Precious winning on game winning free throws. But interesting foul call before that. So, little ball don't lie, but <clears throat> hey, Sixers will take it. They go up 3-0. Embiid with a clutch, clutch three. What a redemption arc for Embiid. Um, you know, I, they have those, like, shot-by-shot photos. Last time he was in a meaningful playoff game in Toronto, the quadruple doink or whatever you want to call it by Kawhi happens. So he comes back tonight. You know, slow start. Pretty slow start for the Sixers. Um and then Embiid finishes it with 33-13, and 13, game-winning three. Embiid had a really, really slow first half. I think they had 15 first-half turnovers. Embiid, four of those 15 were his. And they give up 21 points to Toronto off of turnovers. So right there you say, you know, we're still in this game if we kind of get smarter with the ball. Um, Toronto had it going early they were firing Ananobi Gary Trent Jr. Fred Van Fleet still kind of struggling but they kind of hang tough and take advantage of the Sixers kind of coming out slow and even though they did come out slow James Harden still got a call and threw a three up and it went in which I was shocked about James Harden really doesn't really start like that and I feel like the way I can summarize his game on the Sixers is like a LeBron first quarter. Stay with me. Stay with me. It's like he lets the game come to him the entire game, but he doesn't ever change from passive to active. So it's kind of weird. I'm still kind of like trying to figure it out. It's a interesting conversation, interesting study down the line. Are we going to pay him in the off season? But, um, Thought Tobias was great tonight on catch and shoot threes. He's like over 60% for the playoffs. He clamped down. He played defense. He was playing on both sides of the ball. Tobias was great tonight. Arguably, it's not going to show in the stat sheet, but arguably an MVP game for him, for the Sixers. Probably one of the most valuable players on the floor. Um, and it was interesting because the Raptors, they had a really good defensive strategy in the first half. And then I feel like they kind of went away from it where they were really doubling down on Embiid in the post. They would make him dribble and then strip it away. Embiid kind of lost the ball like three different times early in the game. And like you get a couple George and Yang threes and they're just kind of like holding on to a threat. And the Raptors are killing it in the first. All these threes are going down. The Sixers can't really get anything going. They get a good stretch of plays, and then Ananobi hits another three. So, you know, it was looking bleak, and you're like, ah, here we go. 2-1 is a bad spot for the Sixers, mentally, I feel like. So, I did not 
want that to happen, especially for a team that, you know, has some mental, mental weak spots. You can clearly tell. Um, but, you know, they stuck with it. Obviously, game went into overtime. Doc with a clutch timeout right before MB just throws it up in overtime. So, um, great win by the Sixers. I think, you know, we stole it, but hey, whatever. We're up 3-0, looking to sweep. can't remember the last time we swept in the playoffs was, but. And I feel like another thing, like, that they really did well. I honestly, I, I might just well just say Maxi did it well. The penetration in the lane leading to opportunities. Because, and even on the PRs, it's like Maxi d- goes that extra dribble. Whereas, like, sometimes Harden won't. Sometimes Harden will do that side dribble, maybe want a little more forward dribble. And it doesn't really make the defense clamp down, but I guess Maxi's speed and his shiftiness, he get he it seems like he's getting a little more draw on those PNRs. And it's good because he can kind <clears> of <throat> once you kick that out, leads to a lot. Like a Danny Green corner three that, you know, makes my blood boil when he misses it. But then he did make that clutch one late. So I'll give him I'll give him a little pat on the back for that. Cause we did need that. And I think what we saw from Harden tonight, you know, obviously he fouled out some pretty stupid fouls. Even if Precious Achua does get by you, I'm not fouling him. You got Embiid. Even though it might be a high percentage field goal, like I just think the foul that he fouled out on wasn't great or that second to last foul. But I did see a more confident James with the three three ball and I don't know if that's just my eyes but I saw a little more confidence there I saw a little more maybe a little more strength coming back in some of these drives some of the floaters were a little weak yeah but I think his legs were pretty fresh from you know a shooting standpoint I didn't see too many that were short and he was he he did have an efficient game he really did, and I, I'm going to pull up the numbers, but he did have an efficient game. He, I, he had a plus-minus of zero, but uh, seven for 13, two for four from three, 10 assists, and one sec. I'm by myself tonight, so. Well, I can't find it, but <clears throat> he was efficient. Oh, here we go, 19 points. 19 and 10 fishing game. You know, obviously he's going to get blown by on defense. It's just, you know, what you kind of have to expect here. You got to rely on the other guys to come in and help give him a little bit of an assist. And, you know, he fouls out with a good amount of time left and, and B just, he says, I want this. I want this moment takes charge. You know, you have Maxi. Some bright spots, but you know, they kind of they were scrambling a little on on perimeter defense tonight. And I think that's something to really look forward to going, you know, into these next rounds where teams are a little more polished, but you know, it is what it is. I'm looking at fourth quarter possessions here. 
And, you know, I think what I see, there's a, a bit of a pattern here, but I'll go through them. Here's all the field goals made in order in the fourth quarter. Achua, Ananobi free throws. Achua, Tobias free throws. Tobias, Embiid, Ananobi free throws. Maxi, Van Fleet from three. Embiid from three, which was an absolute prayer. It was kind of like identical to his buzzer beater. Gary Trent Jr., Danny Green, both threes. Ananobi, three. Achua with another two. Maxi with a two. And then Harden goes in and it's goaltended. And then you have what I think is the end of regulation. But like, I think what we're so used to with Harden is like at least two to three field goals made in the fourth. And I think that last one where he got goaltended was the only one he took. And I'm sitting there like, why is the aggressiveness kind of fading away late in the game? And you could say, you know, Tobias was, was going and yeah, he was playing well, but like he, he fades late in the fourth. We all know this as Sixers fans. It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, common knowledge and you get, you, you know, you get maxi penetrating and he's kind of been the one late in games to make plays, whether it's him or Embiid and you just have Harden like, I want a little more aggressiveness late in the game. And I know he had five fouls, but you know, what about a perimeter shot or something? And then we go to overtime field goals. Maxi and then Gary Trent Jr. And another Maxi layup, like, and obviously Harden's out here, but, and then Ananobi three, and Embiid turnaround prayer, and then an OG free throw. And then I think, pretty sure that's where the Embiid three happens, but I don't know. I just thought, like, let's say these are, this is the pattern against the Heat. I'm not sure this is going to do it. Um, and I'm being definitely being very nitpicky here, but I see Maxi and Embiid making field goals down the stretch, and you have Maxi who's a little inexperienced. Can you count on him to make field goals late in the game like this? At you know the same clip that a veteran point guard's going to make, or is he going to get? clamped down by the perimeter defenders of, you know, Miami or someone else. So, I mean, we'll see going forward, but absolute steal of the game. Embiid is just showing why, you know, he's the guy. Now, will he win MVP? I don't know, but he's damn close. And I know we kind of went into this last episode, but it just seems like <clears> – <throat> At times, Embiid, he, he's never afraid of what's to come, and I love that about him. And, you know, he has that kind of crappy fadeaway three that doesn't go in regulation, and, you know, he's brave enough to take that again in overtime and hit it. And Doc drew it up for him, and I'm, I'm shocked that Maxi, you know, they didn't give him a layup or something in regulation because – you know, he was cutting through. He was doing well. And you go back to Embiid. 
I mean, it was it was bold. It was bold for sure. I think we were close to going into double overtime there. And they steal it. And I think it's a deflating loss for the Raptors. And it's interesting because I think the Raptors were real ready to go in the beginning. And then you could hear the crowd just deflate towards the end. So, and it was weird because like, it seemed like the Sixers were gassed towards the end, but they just kept hanging on. They kept hanging on. They kept getting buckets. Tobias was playing great defense, but it's not like the Raptors weren't getting decent shots up. Like they were getting shots that were what I would consider good shots. They just like all started to not fall. I think the Sixers got really lucky with this game. I think they really did get lucky. And now going forward, I think, you know, it might be easier for Doc to get a little more flexibility here with a 3-0 lead to play guys like Cork Miles a little more. Paul Reed will, you know, we'll see what happens. Obviously, Raptors with the small ball lineup, they get, um, you know, a lot less DeAndre Jordan, which I'm shocked about. I'm shocked Doc um, kind of succumbed to those Paul Reed victory tour comments, and now he's getting them in a little more, even though he was in foul trouble tonight. But um, So we'll see going forward what we can do there as a team, as an organization. Um, and, yeah, I think this is a motivational win too. I mean – for the Sixers, a, a four and a four-five matchup to potentially sweep and go forward—that's huge. Maybe if the Hawks can sneak one out, Miami will have to play an extra game, and Bead will be able to rest. Harden will be able to rest that hamstring. Um, you know, a lot of good signs here, and that's a statement win. That's definitely a statement win. And the two games before, I think it's it's noteworthy to point out that, you know, going into the end of the year, there was kind of like a lower level of confidence in the Sixers in the playoffs, at least local media and kind of like around, you know, around the city, we were kind of dragging our ass a little bit and. Harden was having some clunkers and we weren't sure if we were ready. We were playing playoff caliber teams. We were kind of coming up short. Some games we were playing well, but um, they look real fresh. The first two games, this game, you know, it's hard without Thibault, obviously, you know, in Toronto, not an easy place to win and they get it done. And uh, I'm just thrilled for them, to be honest. I think, you know, being up 2-1 is dangerous for a team that's, you know, I think not all mentally prepared to go deep in the playoffs. I think I've said that before. You know, they're going to have to be a little battle-tested here, and they they rose to the occasion. I'm real happy for them. I want to I see it keep going. And, you know, and as even as the season was coming to an end, guys like Danny Green – weren't really playing at their best. Tobias, eh. You know, he had that game where he had like six points against the Pistons in the last week of the year, and you're like, what the fuck is this team? Like, what are we doing here? 
And now, you know, he's a little more focused, obviously. He's playing on both sides of the ball, which is great. So, a lot of good things here for the Sixers going forward. It's wins like that that I think can bring a team together, motivate them. So, it was good to see. And obviously, not that it really matters, but Embiid kind of showcasing maybe why he should be MVP, even though it's a regular season honor. So, We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back with a little Celtics and Nets. Probably one of the best Celtics playoff games I've seen in recent memory. Uh, They beat the Nets. They go up 2-0 in the series. Obviously happened earlier tonight. Um, We get an absolute all-time defensive effort from the Boston Celtics holding KD to I think probably the worst shooting performances I've seen in recent history from him probably one of the best all-around team defensive efforts against a guy who can basically score anywhere on the court and Kevin Durant he goes four for 17 one for two from three which is interesting Um, but he does go 18 for 20 from the line So, you know, he went to the line 10 times and even on those shots where he was like getting fouled and you thought it'd be an and one, they just weren't going in. Same with Kyrie Irving, four for 13. Um, He gets to the line once. He looked really off in 40 minutes. Durant plays 42 minutes. Kyrie Irving plays 40. Even though they go, you know, 11 deep. It was just one of those weird games for the Nets and when Kyrie is off, it becomes even more impressive that Kevin Durant's doing what he's doing. And I'm not just talking about tonight, but in the first game as well. And I don't know if Kyrie was, you know, low on energy from the fasting. And I know that's a little bit of a touchy subject, but, um, you know, when Kyrie's off and he's not really demanding the ball as much, it's, It's Kevin Durant, Bruce Brown, and Seth Curry. Not the most appealing lineup for what people are scared of in the Nets. So, and it's interesting because Durant's basically the point guard of the team. Um, You know, he's basically just bringing the ball up, doing what he wants. And obviously Kyrie can too, but like, I felt like they did better and maybe they're a little more efficient when Katie was bringing the ball up. Um, and they were up big to start the game. Celtics were down by 17. And then it's just a game of runs at that point. You know, start the third, Celtics go on a huge run, 20 to 8 run. Um, and I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some kind of like super clip or super edit of all the contested shots on KD and. Tatum Tatum held his own. It was awesome. It was kind of like a little brother versus big brother. Um, Every dribble, every shot, there was a ton of pressure on KD. And at one point in the game, I think it was sometime in the third, Durant Irving had already had seven turnovers. The defensive intensity was there throughout. You know, you have Smart, who, you know, defensive player of the year, in my opinion. He's out there. He's flying all over the place. Um, he's making good defensive plays. 
And then you kind of have Tatum and Brown who, you know, Brown just absolutely took hold of the game. He had like four straight buckets in clutch time. It was an unbelievable stretch. And especially that one where he just absolutely manhandled. And I mean, even Van Gundy said he's never seen Katie defended this well. And the environment at TD is just like unbelievable. I, I think it's the best place to play a basketball game. It, I mean, I'm a Sixers fan. Wells Fargo has nothing on TD Garden. Just like, and I don't even know if like the, the crew at TNT does this, but like the volume there, like it always sounds quieter at Wells Fargo. I don't know why, but anyway, TD Garden was unbelievable. Um, the booze for Kyrie, obviously we know in game one, a lot of middle fingers and yada, yada, yada. And it's weird because, you know, Kyrie's a great player, but he makes it so easy to hate him. Just saying, um, you know, with the arrogance and the, you know, I'm giving it back to the fans, whatever. I mean, I think it's definitely going to blow over, but you know, my only thing is like, if you're bringing a kid to the game, you know, whatever, but it's like Kyrie is such a good player. We want to love him. And he does like all this BS like this. And in the post game interviews and the pressers, he's just like super, super arrogant. So he was flat tonight and, you know, Celtics just played maybe the perfect game defensively. And, you know, it's interesting to see the kind of step up Bruce Brown's taken, (laughs) but, um, I think the Celtics are going to win the series in the end. Um, and who knows? I mean, even if Ben Simmons does come back, I'm not, it's not going to change my, you know, Ben Simmons, you might as well sit out the rest of the year. Cause your team's down too. Oh, you're probably going to hurt <clears throat> the overall performance of the team. If you come in at this point, I don't know. Um, but another good defensive stat here, two points for the nets in an eight minute stretch in the fourth. There was three three twenty one left. Obviously, Nash challenges. I think he loses. KD at one point late in the fourth was zero for nine in the second half. I don't even know if we're gonna see a better defensive effort from a team in the playoffs again, ever again against KD. KD does not get shut down like this. Very, very rarely does he get shut down like this. Um. If I had someone with me, I'd look up KD's worst playoff performances. And the funny thing is, KD still had 27 points. But, you know, 18 were free throws. It was timely. Celtics got it done. And they only went eight deep. And that's probably going to be their rotation going forward. How about Pritchard? With some clutch points late in the game, too. And then... You know, obviously, you get some some good minutes from um, Williams too. That really made a difference. And Celtics lineup: Tatum, Horford. It's just weird to see Horford do well after everything that's gone on with the Sixers. But Tatum and Horford plus eleven. Tice minus seven. Smart minus one. But Smart did not deserve that minus one rating. Jalen Brown plus one. Brown was unbelievable tonight. 
the way that he finished at the rim. I mean, it was just crazy. And something about TD Garden is like, I don't know. It just adds to the chaos. Like I saw Peyton Pritchard finish a layup over KD. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell is going on? It was, it was very interesting. Um, and, you know, a real, real good win for the Celtics. Good thing I lost a lot of my money betting the Suns the previous night because I was going to bet the Nets and the KD over. Um, I thought they'd come back strong. And, you know, they don't. And Celtics hold on, and that's huge because I think most people thought the Nets were going to split. So now we go on to Brooklyn. We'll see what they can do there. Um, And, you know, I think that it's kind of a perfect storm for the Sixers to get the Nets and the Celtics, like, for one of them to come out of this because I think those were the two teams I was most concerned about other than, you know, obviously Milwaukee. But I'm still still not really – believing in the heat or um the heat have not validated my fear for them yet i mean they're essentially playing a nine seed right now in the hawks um so i'm glad that you know either the nets or celtics will be eliminated most likely the nets and then the sixers you know go on to play one or the other i think it's somewhat of a perfect storm and i i did not think that was the case obviously we're not gonna have home court for any of these series going forward but we'll see how it plays out and you know going forward i think tatum sniffing probably top five in the league especially if you beat a player like kd in a playoff series where you know this is you know it's like kd's trying to establish himself establish his legacy a little more um he goes to this Nets team, you know, obviously Kyrie Harden. It's not exactly what he thought it would be. His expectations versus reality are a little bit cents on the dollar here in reality world. And it's almost like what goes around comes around if you're one of those super team haters. And it's interesting because, you know, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, Drummond when Kyrie's not on, you know, it's definitely one of those, what goes around comes around. If you're KD, you have to be frustrated. Um, I don't see how you can't be frustrated. And I think at the end of the season, he's going to realize all the bullshit he put up with. And I think, you know, you got to be a little ticked, especially if they lose the series. And props to the Celtics. I mean, sticking with Tatum and Brown, and you know, obviously there there may have been some trade rumors here and there for different players throughout the couple of years, but I think this is I think this is the beginning of something good for them, their core. I think no matter what, you're keeping Tatum, you're keeping Brown, and then you just shift everything around it. Hopefully Smart will stay too, but it's an interesting Interesting team going forward. Obviously, they caught fire. Always the Celtics, though. Celtics. And uh, 
obviously it's been a great playoff so far. I know we only talked about Philly and Toronto and Boston and the Nets, but um, I'll give a couple more of my, um, you know, some of my just NBA playoff impressions. I know we haven't really recorded since the playoffs have started. So we'll do that after the break. I'm just going to throw out a little more reaction uh, to the NBA playoffs so far. And I want to do a little more of a deep dive, so I might break this into two parts. But I think some of the themes of these NBA playoffs have been, you know, you get a good mix of new and old here. And in terms of players, you know, obviously you look at Phoenix and you look at New Orleans, obviously – Chris Paul, point god, 36 years old, puts up an unbelievable stat line in game one, and then Pelicans come back, punch him in the mouth a little bit. You get that nice little Brandon Ingram hot streak, CJ McCollum, Herb Jones, and then Jackson Hayes just goes off. Um, 1-1 series. Take it game by game. But, you know, with Booker Hurt, that's like a you know this series is a storyline now and you didn't think it would be i think it's really interesting it's i think it's much you know not much but must watch basketball for a 1-8 i can't remember the last time i've been as excited for a 1-8 or you know one versus playing whatever you want to call it but um definitely interesting because i think when booker isn't there and he puts up 31 I think what in the first half and then he gets hurt it's like they couldn't benefit from some of those shots that he was just tossing up from 20 plus or 25 plus 28 plus and it showed and then you know you have Ingram with these pull-ups and McCollum was feeling it they were feeling it and I lost a lot of money on FanDuel because the fucking Pelicans decided to show up and that Alvarado sneaking around on the corner. He reminds me of Matty Miggs. He sneaks, he's, he's a little schemer. So that's been a great series. And this is one of the first years where I've really like actively tried to watch every single minute of every single game. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And then obviously continuing in the west you have the minnesota memphis series minnesota comes out with a shocker in game one you get a cat and anthony edwards combo to kind of stifle the grizzlies and then grizzlies come back in game two they go a little more small ball jaw wakes up a little more and you get a tied series there um it's interesting to see like the maturation of anthony edwards the way he's grown his confidence in himself for, you know, a team that's, you know, not the most established in the NBA, obviously, but it's like, did the Timberwolves finally strike gold here with this pick? And, you know, you have a guy who is uber confident in himself. He's 20 years old. He can't even drink yet. He's 20. And he's scoring 30 points 
I think he scored over 30 in the play-in. Not the play-in, but yeah, it was the play-in, I think. But anyway, he scores 30 in what I think is back-to-back games. And, you know, he's throwing up these shots with confidence. He's playing with confidence, high energy, the way he celebrates. It's really impressive. And Minnesota might have a future superstar in their hands. And they're an interesting team because they're constructed really well. And what each player does is interesting. You know, you got D'Lo, a guy who, if you followed his career, you know, the expectations versus the reality. A little bit of sense on the dollar there. You got a guy like Cat who, you know, hasn't really exceeded um, expectations from like a maturity standpoint. And then you have Edwards here who seems to be extremely mature, ready for the moment, but he's going to need some more time to, you know, cure, curate a better game. But like they could be really good in a couple years and, We'll see what they do in terms of, you know, are they going to move some pieces around, focus around Edwards, which I think they probably will. Um, But in game two, obviously, Memphis comes back. Um, They kind of, I mean, they obviously, they blow them out, but they're back to who they were in the regular season. And maybe this was just a fluke, this game one fluke by the Timberwolves. Who knows? But it's been awesome to watch Anthony Edwards. Um, and I guess what other, Oh, and then we got the jazz jazz Mav series. I want to do a deeper dive on this series. Cause I've really, the jazz are one of those teams that really, really interests me and not because of all the good things that happen to them. But I think Donovan Mitchell is such an interesting study from just a player standpoint obviously you know you have Rudy Gobert and you know his defensive pedigree but the rest of the team around him and the fact that the Jazz perimeter defense is so poor but Rudy is obviously a great defender Um, I think Donovan Mitchell like the the narrative is starting to spin on him that like Maybe he's not this great player. Maybe he's just really good. Um, and it's interesting to see that. Obviously, you know, you got Bogey, Mike Connolly. I think what the Jazz are going to need to do is blow the team up in the offseason or at least trade a couple pieces. Um, if you can't get out of this series versus Dallas without Luka, um, and the Luka injury is kind of nasty. I don't know if he's going to be able to come back, but Jazz got to take a real hard look at themselves uh, in the mirror here and really think about moving some pieces. I guess if, you know, is it possible to move Mitchell or would you rather just get rid of Gobert? I mean, my first inclination is to keep Mitchell build a new team or a new nucleus around him. 
up his stats a little more if you center the team around just him. Um, could it end up like a Dame Lillard in Portland kind of thing? Who knows? But I had really high hopes for Donovan Mitchell, you know, a couple years ago, and I really thought things were going somewhere with the Jazz. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. I I did pick the Jazz to win the series just because no Luca, but Jalen Brunson comes in with a forty piece, not what I was expecting. Um, and it's cool because like you get a guard who can do that when Luke is not there. Pretty awesome. Um, and plus Mavericks are executing well. They're game planning. Well, they're, they're pulling Gobert out, you know, Cleva had like what eight threes, I think just something absurd. Um, <clears throat> so you love to see that from the Mavs, uh, and then Golden State, Nuggets, obviously kind of a flunk of a series for me. Uh, Denver just doesn't have it, obviously. I mean, when you're – it's cool to see the Warriors have fun and, like, do their thing. And I know – I'm sure we'll be talking about Jordan Poole for plenty, plenty more uh, coming in this playoffs. But it's like – it just sucks to be like, hey, no – like if Jokic doesn't score, it's like Will Barton and Aaron Gordon. It's like, oh, well, Warriors are going to win. It's just like it's kind of played out, you know. And uh, obviously, you know, Jokic is – they're running him around everywhere. Steve Kerr, great, great game plan just to pull Jokic in every direction, tire him out, and then – on the offensive side. Draymond Green's locking him up and basically just like, yeah, I'm here for defense and I'll let Jordan Poole go off. Curry, you know, he's not 100%, I don't think, but I think as time goes by, things could get good for him. Clay's doing well. He's still getting his 20, so... I think this is a tune-up for the Warriors. Um, I think that was a series that I was looking a little more forward to. And who knows? Maybe Denver will come back and grab one or two. But I think uh, I think the Warriors there will be moving on. But yeah, that's pretty much all I had for tonight. Um, obviously, Sixers up 3-0. Celtics up 2-0, and we'll see what the Nats can do. Warriors seem like they're moving along smooth. We'll see what Phoenix does with Devin Booker out. NBA playoffs are great, obviously, and I just love it. I can't, I can't get enough of it. So look out for more pods. Um, I'm sure we'll be making some more. I want to get Migs on here, obviously. But as always, at 4th and Long Pod, P-O-D, on Instagram. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Take care. Good night. Goodbye.